podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the second generation sensation, Brian Hardy, and you are watching the greatest YouTube series of all time, Stu's Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer. I just got this feeling. A warm, warm welcome from the UK, Wales to be exact. And have I got a special guest for the 150th installment of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. Four years in the making. I've been like I've been at it like a tortoise getting to 150, but we're finally here, and it's a returning guest, and it is Mr. Brian Hardy, the second generation sensation. Might I add, back on Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's been about three years, man, and it's gone. It's gone fast. I was just thinking about it, man. It has, that time's gone quick, hasn't it? Man, I, I was. I think it was pandemic right was it pre-pandemic or was it pandemic we we were still in the midst of the pandemic mate so obviously the talk it was very much geared to that you know i was asking about you guys there in baltimore and that you were asking about here how it was the rules the regulations so yeah total different time now and so much has changed and happened in that time so yeah so you're on 150 episodes man and you chose me as your 150 (laughs) episodes so thank you Absolutely. Now, the first thing I want to ask about is obviously Brian's wrestling collection to live the convention. And yeah, just let us know what's going on, man, in July. Oh, man, July 15th is going to be a special day. So we decided last year we were going to run the very first uh, Brian's wrestling collection live. It was episode 100 that we were filming at the time. And it was a big deal. We got sponsors. We got a ton of different people on the panel. It was a really, really, really good time last year. Um, it didn't have the biggest turnout, um, but that was okay. I, I think there's still people that are afraid to leave their houses because of the pandemic. So, I mean, we're kind of getting back into the swing of things, but there are still people out there that don't necessarily want to, you know, leave their home. So a lot of people watched the show. It was live on YouTube. Well, it was pre-taped for YouTube, and um and basically, it was just a great day. So we decided we're gonna ha- we're gonna do it again. We're gonna have another one. Brian's Wrestling Collection live number two. We didn't specifically put which episode number it was gonna be because we're all over the map with episodes. I think we're somewhere in like the one thirties right now ourselves. Um, but it was a cool day where wrestling collectors could come out. They could mingle around, check out vendors, talk about action figures. They got to listen to interviews from guys like my dad, Barry Hardy, Gilberg. They got to listen to Bob Starr. They got to listen to Joel Gertner from ECW. And I was interviewing all those guys talking about their careers. And it was just a good day and a fun time. And um, we're going to do that again on July the 15th. This time we are including the 2023 class of the MWF Hall of Fame. The Maryland Wrestling Federation has been in existence since 2011. Uh, Briefly before that, we ran a little tiny stint as United States Wrestling, which merged into Maryland Wrestling Federation. And every single year, we had held a Hall of Fame, and we have a who's who list, a litany of greats, as they say, um, in our MWF Hall of Fame. But we took a break for a few years because of pandemic and everything, and now we are back with the 2023 class, and it is star-studded. As you can see there in the graphic, Brian, obviously I know the guys. So yeah, just some of the guys, obviously, for the viewers, maybe because they might not know some of the guys within the Hall of Fame. Obviously, you can see Gilberg, Tom Brandy there as well. But yeah, obviously, guys specifically to Maryland as well, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've got Ruckus, who is one of the greatest cruiserweights, in my opinion, of all time. You've got Jimmy Aldean, who is... I mean, he was this version's generation of a Barry Windham. You know, it was it was awesome. You got Morgus the Maniac, who was a Maryland wrestling institution, who was an absolute legend, had tons of matches with Cactus Jack and a bunch of people over the years, Vader, all that kind of stuff. Then you had Danny Mays, who was the voice of the Maryland Wrestling Federation and hands down one of the greatest, if not the greatest, and I'll go on record saying that, 
ring announcers, and voices of professional wrestling of all time. He'll tell you it's Mean Gene. I'll tell you it's Danny Mays. His, <laughs> his father, uh, Paul Mays, who was a longtime timekeeper for us, is going in this year as well. And uh, one of the kings of Maryland wrestling, Ryan McBride, is going in. And, of course, yours truly. This is the year for the second-generation sensation, Brian Hardy, to finally take his rightful place in the MWF Hall of Fame. There you go, man. Absolutely fantastic. And plenty of guys going in there as well. I bet you're excited for that. And that, yeah, great for people. Not not just people within Maryland, Baltimore. You know, I'm sure you're going to get people from other states coming through, aren't you? As well? Oh, absolutely. People travel from all over for this. And it's so cool. We've already had people, you know, who have purchased tickets from like Missouri. We've had people that have purchased tickets from Delaware. So even though the headline reads Maryland Wrestling Federation, it's much bigger than that. Uh, we've got some comments here, Brian, as well. Here we go. Michael Ray, can't wait for Brian's Wrestling Collection 2. So All right. What's up, man? That's awesome. We've got a hashtag Brian Hardy as well from Lox Piero. And a hashtag Stu's Wrestling Podcast as well. So, yeah, keep the comments coming in, guys. I know Brian awesome. would love to answer some questions later on. But, yeah, uh, what else in terms of vendors then? Who, who's coming in this year? Uh, so, we've got we've at the show. We have a ton of people that are going to be doing, uh, you know, a lot of toy stuff again this year, which I'm really excited about. We've got vendors on like the many roads we travel. They carry tons and tons of action figure memorabilia and different wrestling stuff, um, which I want to get there with you in a second. You asked me while we were off camera, could I talk about a few of my favorite pieces? Absolutely, and I, I, and I, I know I'm here. On my table in front Absolutely. of me today. Go off to you. So I'm in. I'm in a lot of collecting groups. I don't collect myself, but I respect what you guys do. So I know there's going to be people because I do a lot of clips after of the episodes. I know the groups men they're going to love to see your stuff because I know how much of an avid collector you are, and some of the stuff you have is amazing. So yeah, actually, yeah. do you know what? Let's let's get into it. Bring bring some of them on, <laughs> on camera now. Actually, awesome. So right, my iron's hot, Brian. Let's go. <laughs> Let's so, go. as people know, my show, Brian's Wrestling Collection, is all about action figures. It's all about different wrestling memorabilia from years and years and years before I was even born. Um, I want to give a shout-out, too, real fast to one of the vendors that's going to be on Brian's Wrestling Collection, IPO Sports Marketing. They're going to have tons of wrestling belts, wrestling autographs, all that kind of stuff. So you definitely want to check that out. And they're an intricate part in the Maryland wrestling scene with creating the Baltimore Celeb Fest. So that's going to be good. But let's get on to talking a little bit about some of the stuff that you see on the Brian's Wrestling Collection show. And Stu, I'm going to show you just one of the newest, coolest pieces that I've got this year. My brother-in-law was out at a Walmart, and I just couldn't believe that he was going to be able to find this for me. And he did. And a lot of people, it's controversial to talk about him at the moment. <laughs> but I love this action figure, man. It is an AEW Unmatched Collection, one of 5,000 Chase CM Punk figure. There we go. It's punk. It's punk. I don't know. It's a bit. Um, I'll just drop us out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Now you can see it. Oh, it's amazing. And I know. I know one of my friends is a big punk collector figures, especially. So he's gonna love that. Yeah. This this figure is just so cool. It's a series four unmatched collection. There's Adam Page, Cody Rhodes, Jade Cardgill, MJF, and a pretty awesome Chris Jericho figure from when he was younger, just starting out in the early 90s. So that, that is a great figure. I'm going to blow through these real fast so we can get back to talking about some cool stuff. This was an awesome find uh, for me just a few weeks ago. My wife and I were out at dinner. We decided to stop at a comic book shop that I don't really go to too often, but it's in Annapolis, Maryland. It's called Third Eye Comics, and they had this amazing Conan figure. And uh, we're going right back, we're going right back there, aren't, aren't we? We're yeah, on. a Legends of Lucha Libre figure. I, I've never seen something so cool. I'm sorry, there's a glare on this, but it's okay. No, no, we can see. Yeah, this is just an absolutely amazing figure. And um, what would that be worth? Uh, what would that be worth, do you reckon? Off well, right as of right now, this figure is in the market. When it originally was on sale, I'm guessing it was somewhere around the $30 mark, but now it's already doubled over in value. So this is like at least a $65, $75 figure easily. And um, which is it's hard to find. They don't put it in regular like stores around here. You gotta find them in like little tiny mom and pop comic book stores and stuff like that. And it's just a, a great figure to have to the collection. So much detail inside of it. Absolutely, man. Yeah, treasure trove. I, I'm saying I'm putting prices on things. I know you won't sell anything. <laughs> yeah, the the, uh, the, punk, the punk figure we're talking, 
I've seen these things go on eBay for around $400 right now. And that was a figure that my brother-in-law spent $20 on at Walmart. So that's how crazy the value of these things can touch on. Um, This is, I got two more for you. This is a 2000 release. This is one of my favorite action figures of all time. This is Mike Awesome's ECW Bash of the Brawler figure. Um, This figure right now holds a value at about $300, uh, which is pretty incredible. I mean, sometimes I've seen it go for less, but the the better the shape the cardboard and the bubble are in, Mm -hmm. obviously, the higher the value is going to be worth. So this is a pretty amazing figure. It's looking tidy that as well. You know, you'd be. I know. I know you're not looking to sell. Uh, it's just. I'm just intrigued by prices because I remember the Hasbro's through through lockdown and COVID. Man, there was some serious money changing hands on the Hasbro's. It went ballistic. People Absolutely. Didn't have, people didn't have anything to do by the looks of things. <laughs> it was. I couldn't believe some of the prices, Brian. I could not believe it. I was like, yep. oh my God, I wish I still had my stuff in boxes from when I was a kid, man. It drives me crazy too, because like a figure like this, a Mike Awesome figure when I was a little kid, I can remember ECW and HHG going out of business. And I remember uh, Walmart, not Walmart, uh, Toys R Us and KB Toys carrying these figures for like three ninety nine, And then now all these years later, they're worth, you know, hundreds of dollars. And I'm like, psh, like... People should have definitely snagged them up when they could while they were on. I mean, same thing with Hasbro's. Hasbro's used to go for like three ninety nine when they were on their way out the door, and now they're worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So I, I was laughing about an old catalog. We have like a, a place we used to go. It's still in existence, actually. Argos. That's where we used to get our stuff from. If you didn't go to Toys R Us, and somebody did like a printout of the catalog, and the Power Ranger figures were three three pound ninety nine, so a little bit more in dollars. Uh, it's like, what would they be worth now? You know, yeah. those original Power Ranger figures. Yeah, this is this is the last one I have to show off for the day. This is a 1985 Remco, 1985-1986 Remco All-Star Wrestling Tag Team, Greg Gagne and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel, the High Flyers package. It is in mint condition pretty much. I mean, there's like a little snag here at the bottom. But besides that, these things I have seen on the low end go for $600. On the high end, I've seen them go for $1,200. I know how much much you love the AWA. You've got a tattoo. And my friend Justin Clapper, who's had some health issues of late up there in Minnesota, he he will appreciate that one. Just bring, bring it back to camera again. Yeah, absolutely. He loves the he loves the Gagnés and and Martel and all the guys, man. He's a huge fan. Clapper, look what Brian's got, and it's worth it's worth some wedge, but he won't sell it to you. I'm afraid. It, such it, a such valuable. a cool pack. I was glad to get my hands on this. I've been looking for this thing for probably about three to four years now, and I had a friend who um, is a vendor at the Brian's Wrestling Collection show, and he was selling it. And I said, "Dude, I'm gonna take you up on this." And I mean, it's just so cool, like the old school yeah, graphics on the yeah. back where everything is hand drawn and. It, it's history. just very, very nostalgic. Nice the history cool nostalgic. of it. That if if I was collecting, that would be where I, I would go. That that sort of era, mid mid to late eighties into the early nineties. That'd be my my area definitely. But no, thanks for sharing them. I just thought something different. Get some pieces up because I know how extensive your collection is there. So thanks for sharing that, bro. Absolutely, I've got stuff from all over the world, and and it's just it's something that since I was a child, I've been very passionate about, and I was like. You know, I'm going to try to keep collecting as long as I'm able to. Uh, my wife is honestly very, very cool about it. And besides that, as long as I have the room and the space to keep, you know, filling detoffs and stuff like that, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm having a good time. That's cool. I've got some questions on figures, actually. Lox sure. Piero. Brian Hardy, hashtag Brian Hardy. What do you think of hashtag WD Mattel or AW Jazzwares better figure model? I think he's saying what's better out the two. Which one's better? Yeah, okay. which do you say in building? So I would say, um, I would say that I, I believe Mattel has a better figure as far as little kids that are going to play with the action figures if you don't want the things to break and that kind of stuff. Because I have boys in the house that play with the action figures. So I'm like, it for me, it's tough because they definitely uh, – we're, we're at a point where when I buy them Mattel figures for WWE, I feel like I'm getting my money's worth. However, when it comes to keeping stuff in the package and just wanting to look at something and hold its value, like a CM Punk figure and stuff like that, I just feel Jazzwares does a better design. So as they're working out their, um, their kinks to try to make sure that they can get some action figures that aren't uh, going to break all the time, 
I, I, I'd say Mattel for, for kids playing with it out of the package and for collectors in the package, um, I'd say Jazzwares for sure. So a little thanks bit of both. For, thanks for that, Locks. Good question. And another one from Locks, actually. Uh, late hashtag Mike Awesome Vintage Figure. Absolutely. There we go. Back on camera. Yeah, it's a cool piece, man. Love that. Absolutely yeah. love that. Locks again. Brian Hardy, your figure vintage look like new. Yeah, I try to keep the best care that I can of these things. And like I said, a lot of times I'm so picky. Uh, there are a lot of different people that will contact me and say, hey, is there any way that uh, you would be interested in buying this lot of figures or that lot of figures? I am such a stubborn person when it comes to buying an action figure. If it looks like crap, if the card is all bent up, and I collect figures loose and in the package. So I, I collect both. If I'm collecting them loose, they can't have any paint scratched off of them and stuff. It's got to be very, very minor stuff. Um, but if it's in the package, the package needs to be intact. Otherwise, I don't want to mess with it. And I've had a lot of people over the years get mad at me over the last couple of years that literally say, like, it's there's barely anything wrong with it, man. There's like one crease in it. I'm like, that one crease is going to detract me from wanting to buy it. <laughs> it's fair enough. It's got to meet your criteria. That's absolutely. absolutely. That's absolutely fine, man. Yeah, no, cool. Again, just one more, I think. Yeah, yo, yo, Stewie, my bro. It's Isaac in Norwich. <laughs> he, he's not far away, basically, from where the Knights are, Pages family. He, he's living in Norwich. So, yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Isaac, Isaac, I need to come to Norwich. You came up here a couple of months ago. So, yeah, I want to go out with the hipsters in Norwich with you. But moving <laughs> on, because it's about Brian today, not me. Your book, The Brian Hardy Story, has been out since February. Yeah, see, he's ready. He's lock and loaded there. The Brian Hardy Story, available now on Amazon, also available on Kindle as well, isn't it, Brian? So, yeah, I know you've been working on this book for a long time, so you're getting the book out, and it's finally here. How do you feel, man? Man, um, I, just holding it in my hand gives me chills, like, right now. Like, I literally have, like, goosebumps. Um 2017, I decided that I was going to start writing this book. And I'm not going to lie, every year that went by, um, you know, you cannot have fans in this business without having haters in this business as well. And being a musician and a pro wrestler, I get it from all ends. Um, so I think the thing was that there was a lot of hate that had come out over the last couple of years where people would say, he keeps talking about how he's writing this book and he keeps saying he's going to, you know, release his book soon. And it was almost like we played this game where 2020, I said, I'm going to release it. Didn't release it. 2021, 2022. It just kept happening where I was like, almost done guys, almost done. And it got to the point where it almost became a punchline for haters to say, he's never going to release this book. He's never putting it out. It's just fake. It's not real. You know, like he's not even writing a book. And I was, but I, I was so particular about what I wanted to put in this thing. And there was certain things I didn't want out there in the world. And I was like, you know what? I got to write about it anyway, because I'm like, my story is my story. So I'm like, I really have to put everything out there and just be as honest and transparent as I can with everyone, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I put it out there. It is wrestling with life, rocking all night. The Brian Hardy story, a tale from the stage to the ring and behind the curtain. And I mean, it tells you everything. It tells you about the stuff that has taken place in my younger you know, music career, it's, it's told you about stuff that has gone on behind the scenes at WWE. It's told you about stuff on my independent pro wrestling career. And it's told you about a lot in my personal family life from the time I was a kid all the way up till the time now that I'm 32 years old. So, um, I just can't believe that it's finished. We did release it, um, in January of this year. So it's been out now for just about two months and it has, great reviews and it has literally been cooler than I've ever expected it to be. So I just, I can't even believe I'm used to putting out albums. I've got a brand new album. out. <laughs> and, got, um, the album as well. Yes. Yeah. Brian Hardy worth the shot is my brand new EP. Um, and that's cool. But to, to have a book out though, that is a whole different beast where I'm like, it just feels like my whole entire life's work has, you know, been on notice in this thing and people can read about it all in there. Michael Ray is obviously coming to the convention. Are the books going to be available at the show in July? Yes, sir. They absolutely will. Um, and the cool thing is, so people are able to purchase them right now off of Amazon. So if you're anywhere in the world, you can purchase it off of Amazon.com right now. It won't be autographed when you open it. It will just be a blank page on the inside. However, if you buy it off Amazon and you come to a book signing, which will be announced sometime here shortly in the near future, 
or you come to Brian's Wrestling Collection, I will sign it for you. Um, if you order the book from me on a personal level, if you just DM me and say, hey, I would like to order a copy, I can always sign it, and then we can do Cash App or PayPal, and I can have that thing out media mail to you from the post office. Or, um, yes, you can totally buy it at uh, Brian's Wrestling Collection Live, too. I will have a ton of copies there on the table. And uh, the thirty bucks. So I mean, it's it's definitely worth giving a you know giving a check out and and uh, telling me what you think. How how was it remembering stuff? Had you logged stuff that had happened over time? Do you have like a diary to remember <sighs> things, or have you got a, have you just got a memory that you can remember so many things? So I'm I'll be as honest as I can be with you, Stu. I was like a freak of nature, and I literally remembered everything that has ever taken place in my life from like age two to like age thirty-two. The thing is, here in my later years now, the days and kind of all blend together. Where like I don't really remember stuff that happens here. It sounds terrible to say. I don't know if that is the start. I've never personally or publicly said this. I don't know if it's the start of CTE. I don't know if it's that I've had too many concussions or any of that kind of stuff. I don't know. But I will say that um, I'm at a point now where I feel like once the book was written, I literally, I, I said this to my wife. I was like, this is like an out-of-body experience. When the book was written, it was almost like everything that I had captured inside of this book has now left my brain. It was almost like now that I've written the book, my brain is giving all, you know, all these files that it's stored over the years, like a computer have just left. And now it's like, I'm trying to store new stuff. However, on the day to day, I've never actually wrote a diary or a dialogue. I do say that in my younger years, the things that I might think that I remembered actually were stuff that I saw on a VHS tape that my parents had maybe recorded of me when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm thinking, oh, this happened when I was three or this happened when I was four, it's true. It did happen, but it may not be me remembering it in my mind as much as it is me watching it on a VHS tape and going, oh, this happened when I was a kid, like a home movie or something like that. Um, but in the, in my day to day adult life right now, too much has gone on in my life over the last couple of years, especially since the pandemic that I have been keeping a log of day to day stuff that is going on in my life. So there will be another book and most people go, there's going to be a second book. Holy crap. Um, I'm only 32. I'll be 33 this summer. So there's time to write a whole nother book. And I've been logging the day to day of my life and what has been going on in my life for like the last two years in a journal. So I don't know if I'm going to release the journal as is. Um, Cause I know that like Kurt Cobain has had like the Kurt Cobain diaries and stuff where they released like stuff in his journal. Uh, but I put it all out there in my journal. So I might not, I might just use snips of that to create my next book and, and just use it as a feeler to go back and remember what happened on certain days. But yeah, my memory isn't as great as it used to be. Um, but there are still a lot of things in my life that I do remember because they were so important. So I've got to tell you, right. I love that little excerpt with uh, Tim White on, on the plane, although the plane ride was very scary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, 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 I know you don't want to give too much away from the book, but just tell us about Tim White. Uh, yeah. Go back on that story. Obviously, you were at a show together and then you've ended Absolutely. up on the same flight home. Yeah. You? Well, to Philly. Yeah. So he, um, I was, I was coming home. He was doing a shot with WWE. Um, he actually, like when they do like the phone stores and stuff like that, he's usually in charge of like taking care of the talent. And so that day he happened to be taking care of Sasha Banks. And um, so he was doing some like, you know, I don't know what it, what it was like Motorola or something like that, like a telephone store signing something. I don't know. So he's at um, LAX and I'm coming back from playing a music tour. So I'm on tour doing my music stuff. He's on tour with WWE being like a hand for, you know, Sasha Banks or whatever. And I walk over and I sit down at the bar and like, we didn't say a word to each other. Like we're just kind of like sitting there at the bar and I turn and look at him and I'm like, are you Tim white? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, Hey, I'm Barry Hardy's son, Brian. He's like, Oh my God. And like, we like shook hands and I'm like, let me buy you a beer and blah, 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 blah. blah. So we're sitting there talking, you know? And of course I asked him, you know, cause I, I put it right out there. Like I'm going to ask him some Andre stories, you know, and stuff like that. And he's just giving me little, you know, tad bits of him and Andre traveling together and being on the road and stuff like that. 
And uh, we, it was funny because we, we say our pleasantries, we finish the beers, and then we both get up and we walk separate directions. <laughs> and as we walk separate directions, we find out that we're both on the same flight for Los Angeles to Philadelphia. And um, it was so funny because I'm like, literally, he's like, you're on this flight? I'm like, yeah. And like, we're on the flight. I call this my flight from hell. Like WWE has the WWE flight from hell. This is my flight from hell where um, I can't believe that we survived it. And uh, there was so much turbulence that day. And the plane literally like did, if the plane is this way and the wings are this way, I'm not joking you. We did this. And I thought we were going down into the ground for sure. And I mean, you see those movies where people dump their drinks and their food all over them and stuff like that was definitely one of those nights. And it was raining and storming really bad lightning and thunder like crazy. And when we arrived in the early morning, cause it was a, it was a late night flight when we arrived early in the morning, um, it was so scary because I got right on the ground in Philadelphia, dropped to my hands and knees. My wife's standing there staring at me, Tim White staring at me, and I just dropped down and kissed the ground. And um, <laughs> Tim White looked and said, uh, hell of a flight last night, huh? And I said, yes, sir. You know, And uh, so I had to put that in my book. But I just I think it's so amazing that it's sad that he's passed away. Mm, but it's so amazing. Yeah, yeah, man. Earl Hebner, Tim Allen said, didn't he? He's so chuffed that he's going in the Hall of Fame. He said, yes. Every- Everything he did for Andre and Andre and him love one another, didn't they? There was no two ways about it. But uh, even, exactly. and uh, someone did make the case. And what about Earl Hebner going in there? I'm sure he will go in, but uh, he's just happy that Tim White's going in, man. Which is lovely. Yeah. Which is and nice, I, man. I think I think Earl should go in. I think Dave should go in, and I definitely think that um, Joey Morella and um, Mike Kyoto should go in eventually. And uh, but Tim White, absolute legend, yeah. absolute fantastic person and there's not a better recipient for the warrior award this year than him so i loved that i loved it when the apa were wrecking his bar for the, for, the, <laughs> for the video i loved it i loved it i was like oh my god come to find out that they're at tim white's bar and the wrecking yep. the joint like it was just yep. Oh, what was it? Was it called like the Friendly Tavern or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah, it was something. Yeah, definitely a tavern <laughs> in it. It's just like only in only in the WWE with it yeah. that that occur. It's just it's just absolutely crazy. So yeah, so cool. and maybe maybe another little story from the book. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you'll, at you. you'll find stuff all inside of this, and um, it's really cool. I'll, I I want to actually, if you don't mind, real fast, I'm going to read you the back of this because there's three yeah, little. Yeah. Here. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Um, it, it was awesome. So Danny Mays, who's going into the MWF uh, this year, wrote this on the back of the book. While pro wrestling and music fans will find value in the stories within, this is ultimately a raw and honest look into growing up, chasing dreams, making mistakes, and discovering what is truly important in life. Danny Mays, MWF ring announcer, and he's also the bass player in the band Here's to the Night. Um there was a, a little segment from um, Bob Starr written on the back of this. It says, I met this man back when he was a youngster, one with dreams. Fast forward many years and those dreams have come true. From pro wrestling to rock and roll, one dream at a time. He's knocked them out of the park. From marriage to children, from rock to wrestling, he's accomplished them all. And this is the story. Proud of you. Bob Starr, WWF, WCW wrestler. And the very last one is from my wife. And it says, uh, this is the story of a guy who at the end of the day has achieved every dream he has ever dreamt. A man who, despite his not so normal upbringing, has become an awesome father and husband. Despite the statistics life has thrown at him, he manages to maintain a normal family life with a not so normal professional one. Kayla Hardy. So, <laughs> yeah. quite, uh, quite eloquently put there, Brian. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the truth, man. You, you will find so much inside of this book. And like I said, whether it's on the music end of things, if it's talking about how I am a, you know, I, I had a, what I like to call a Justin Bieber career that really wasn't a Justin Bieber career because Justin Bieber made millions and I didn't. And Justin Bieber, you know, had a lot of, you know, the machine backing him and I didn't, but I was a, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old kid. And some of these stories in here get crazy. It gets to the point where I'm like 14 years old and I'm standing outside of a a venue and I'm leaning over a railing, signing, you know, autographs, CDs, T-shirts, all this stuff for all these girls. And they're going nuts and crazy and screaming my name at the top of their lungs and stuff like that. And it's like you had to be there to understand how absolutely insane it was that a kid that age is experiencing stuff like that. And I mean, there's tons of what I would like to call um, not – 
PG rated stories in here. I feel like I pulled a Mick Foley on that end and kind of was like, yo, I got to talk about early love life and early, you know, teenage lust and all that other kind of stuff and everything. So I get kind of crazy in here about that, but it also goes into the discussing how I met my wife and, and all that kind of stuff. So it really turns in, it goes from a real trashy story to a really good story. And, um, talks about being a you know teenage dad, which was tough. I had my first kid when I was 15 years old. So, um, you know, how me and my wife stayed together through all those years. And I mean, I put her through hell. I can't believe we are absolutely still married. And she, you know, she, I think we, we balance each other well because she tells me when I'm being a real butthole and, um, and I, you know, let her know when she's being stubborn sometimes. <laughs> I can, I can relate. I can relate. <laughs> I'm always getting told off that that's yeah. part of the. If you're not I getting told, I, I think that's the wife's job, you know. If if you're not getting told off, there's something wrong. That there's no. As much as I moan about it, but yeah, it, it, this isn't about me. It's about you, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm flying no, off in every you're, which you're way. You're good, man. It's it's relatable to anybody. That's yeah, the thing. Absolutely, so. absolutely. And, and I mean, so people that read this book, you know, and, and like I said, they'll see the ins and outs of behind the scenes of WWE and. I think the thing that upsets me the most, and I've seen, like I said, I've, I've talked about this before to many people, is I've seen a, a talent or two, I won't mention names, but I've seen a talent or two that has been signed to WWE that always talk about how easy it is to be an extra at WWE or how, you know, they've kind of just brush it off because they've had a contract, so they write off everybody else as if there is no importance to any of that kind of stuff. I will be the first to tell you that in this book, I talk about how bad I literally had to beg and plead and cry for WWE to even call me, you know, to even be interested in me. I had four years go by of my life from 2008 when I first broke into the business to 2012, where I would send WWE emails nonstop all the time and they never got back to me. It wasn't until they called me in 2012, which I mean, I've talked to you in the past about with the Ryback match and stuff like Mm -hmm. that that uh, things kind of took off from there. But even then, there's a lot of mistakes that I've made too that I talk about in this mm-hmm. book in the wrestling business. And maybe not even the average person might not think that it's a mistake, but I might classify it as a mistake and someone else might look and go, that's pretty brutal. Well, that's the politics of the inner workings of the business. And I thought I would never be invited back to WWE time and time again. And they kept calling me. So I went from being, be- you know, begging to be booked Mm-hmm. And please just give me an opportunity and them ignoring me to literally me not even having to worry about calling them or reaching out to them anymore. And they would just hit me up and say, Hey, can you be in such and such city this Monday night or Friday night or what? And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I'm there. And um, I'm kind of at that point in my life too, where people are asking like, why are you not doing anything with WWE or with AEW at the moment? Why are you only doing independent shots here and there? And I don't think I'm greater than thou or anything like that, but I think that I've surpassed the point where I'm I'm tired of begging. If that makes any sense, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I can, I can understand from your side. I can totally, yeah, yeah, just the years you've done it. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm just I'm yeah. tired of being the guy yeah. that has to always, you know, swallow my pride and reach out and say, "Hey, or, you know, I know you guys are going to be in town this weekend." You know, it's like you know who I am. You know, like if and like there's a difference between that, like. There, I've seen guys that go to WWE that literally say, like, I don't need to do the tryout match today. They already know who I am. And I'm like, that's cocky and arrogant. Like, if they're taking the time to watch you and watch you do a tryout match and stuff, do the tryout match, you know, like, and I'm all about that. So, but I'm not about, like I said, having to beat down doors and beg people, hey, would you please book me today? Can I, you know, shine your shoes for you? Can I do this? Can I do that? Like, I'm not going to kiss anybody's butt to to get where I need to go. And I'm very transparent and very honest about all that. And it's like, if you want to use me, you know where I am, you know, my telephone number, you know, my email address, you know how to get in contact with me. And I would love to be a part of, you know, your show or your promotion and make some good money. But I don't know. I think that my motivation has been lost over the years of like, you know, having to like beg people to to be a part of something. And so it just, it totally contradicts any statement that anybody makes about it. It's so easy to, mm-hmm. to be an extra at WWE. It's not because not if it case. was, I wouldn't meet hundreds of people all the time on the independents that go, you're so lucky. I wish I would have just had one opportunity to be on WWE like you were, or, you know, cut a promo on one of their microphones or this or that or whatever. So at the end of the day, 
Um, I don't think anybody should downplay anybody's accomplishments because it's taken people a long time to get to where they, you know, have, have been to. So it's like, whether you are signed, whether you're unsigned, whether you are appearing sometime soon or whether you have no, you know, bookings in sight or whatever, like you still can't take away what anybody has done and what it took for them to get there. What, what are you enjoying in terms... I know you watch AEW. I know you watch with the kids and that. What's What's been floating your boat in terms of what they've been doing? Just to go to them for a little bit. I know it's obviously WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, it, but yeah, AEW more prominently, I, I want to know about from your your side. Yeah, um, I, I think that honestly, and I know most people will go, of course he is going to say that. Um, I think that a lot of what AEW is doing is amazing. And I read all the dirt sheets, which I really shouldn't and stuff like that, but I read all the dirt sheets. I read everything. I'm very educated and know what's going on in the business at all times. Um, I think that everything that AEW is doing at the moment is great. I still really wish I even write in the last chapter of my book, the last chapter is called the future. And I talk about things that I would like to happen in the future. I'm kind of just forecasting what I would like to do. And one of those things is to to perform for AEW at least once. That's what I write in my book, just at least once. You know, I'd like to wrestle for AEW, uh, whether that be on Dynamite, whether that be on Dark, whether that be on any any of the shows they got, Rampage, whatever. I just want to be in an AEW ring at least one time. Um, and then I would be fine, like I said. Um, but I think that they just, the caliber of talent that they have over there, I, I still will say till the end of time, I'm a Young Bucks guy. Um, I think that it's kind of sad, like all the stuff that had happened months ago with the media scrum and all that stuff, because I'm a CM Punk guy too. And I, and I love CM Punk and I love Kenny Omega and I love the young bucks and all that stuff. And I just wish everybody, you know, deep down could get together for the better good of the, of the brand and the company and just keep knocking stuff out of the park because man, they were like white hot for a while. And, um, I don't know if their steam is dying necessarily. I don't want to say that. Um, but I definitely think that they they're still doing some good stuff, and you got to give credit to guys like Mox and stuff like that too, because he's over there busting his butt for the company. Like he just recently talked with his wife on her podcast about how he's, you know, he was doing stuff without being contracted to AEW and still like trying to run with the ball. And he was supposed to take a vacation and stuff like that, and he just yeah. put the company first. Yeah. So got to give a lot of credit to everybody over there and just say, man, fantastic job. Um, and I have to honestly say on the other end of, of things for WWE at the moment, um, I have not been into a lot of stuff that WWE was doing for a while. And I am so hook, line, and sinker for the Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes storyline that it's unbelievable. I think it's absolutely amazing. It makes me take a step back. And as a fan, it makes me go, wow, this is great for the business. As a wrestler, it makes me go, everything that they're doing makes sense. And it, it's just overall, you know, right now, that is where WWE's money at. Because the rest of their show is kind of like, ah, at the moment. But Roman and Cody are where it's at at the moment. So, Absolutely, man. Absolutely. What do you think? I've got a question for you, actually. I I, I know you'll, you might understand it better from a booking standpoint, being in the business. I, that's why I want to ask you. The TNT title, man, they do a lot of hot potato with that belt, in my mind. Fan perspective, of course, you might know a bit more why they've done that. Um, why? I know they're trying to make Hobbs, you know, give him some, give him the, give him the push, the rub, as they say. But Wardlow, after beating MJF and beating him emphatically, does not make any sense. But they've done that with the TNT title since Brody when all you know all that time ago and when Cody was there. And then, you know, Darby Allen's had it various times. Nobody has a sustained run with that belt, in my opinion. What do yeah. you think? What I think, think well, well, when I think of the, the TNT title, the first thing I think of is, or at least when they debuted it, was I went, oh my gosh, this is great. This is like the Intercontinental title, pretty much. So I'm like, you know, that in comparison to the WWE product, this is their Intercontinental title. Um, Brody title run, Awesome. The Cody title run, awesome. Darby Allen uh, title run, awesome. After that, you lost me. You lost me to the point where the belt, in my opinion, once again, I might get a lot of heat for saying this, the belt really doesn't mean very much right now. And I'm literally sitting there going, I'm sorry. And I love the talents that they're putting the belt on. But it's it's one of those things where what are you doing to make that belt you know, reputable? That belt isn't going to make you. You have to make that belt. And I've always had that, you know, that mindset. Um, it's like much like my MWF title runs. 
Um, I can't say very, speak very much on my tag team title run or my junior heavyweight title run because they, in my opinion, weren't long enough. They were kind of short. But my MWF heavyweight title run, Brian Hardy was making the belt. The belt wasn't making Brian Hardy. So, um, and with with AEW right now, like I said, it's it's the same exact way where I feel like deep down, uh, they just, on that end, they need to get things together a little bit better. Um, their tag team division was amazing at first. There are still so many good tag teams, but once again, we're only seeing so many tag teams floating. I do like the guns as they, the- uh, They've grown, they've grown on me, man. I've got to be fair. I was a bit like, why? Why are the acclaimed losing the belts? But they've actually, they look good. And then obviously you've got the storyline now. You've got the story yeah. arc. If FTR lose, they're gone. They, you know. Yeah. So, they have so I, many good tag I'm, teams over I'm there. You. I'm with I you. I love, love the acclaimed as the champions. I love the guns. I, th- I think just that stuff is entertaining. And then even if you sidetrack from that, man, I am so, I don't want to really like bring it up and talk about it too much. But, um, you know, obviously we lost Jay Briscoe. Uh, you know, about what a month ago, two months ago. And um, that was really, really hard for my family. I love Jay Briscoe, but to, on the subject of tag team wrestling, you know, I just heard that the ring of honor belts are going to be retired and given to uh, Jay's family, which I think is absolutely amazing. And they'll be debuting new tag team belts at the ring of honor pay-per-view this Friday night. So I'm like, um, I think that that's, you know, just tag team wrestling has always been near and dear to my heart. I try to keep an eye on all the different independent companies and and the national companies to, uh, you know, to talk about that kind of stuff. As far as tag team wrestling goes, it's just got a special place in my heart. So hopefully, you know, they can, they can, you can see what they're trying to do. It's bringing the younger, younger tag teams through. I, I totally, I totally take your point from where it was at the start. But they were all pretty pretty well established, weren't they? The guys, we knew the guys more so, I guess. Michael yeah. Ray, AEW has too many politics backstage, I believe. Yeah, they, they, uh, they kind of have too many, um, you know, too many chiefs and not enough Indians, as the old saying goes. Um, you know, like where you got to kind of have one boss and you got to have a bunch of other people that are willing to work for the better good of the company. And once again, I'm not back there, so I can't really, I'm only going off of what I've read on the sheets and what people have, you know, said to me that I know inside the business. And, and I think that's going to be anywhere you go. doesn't matter where you wrestle, what company you wrestle for, whether it's big or small, you're always going to have some type of politics. Um, crap. I was on a, uh, indie show last week in Allentown, PA, and there was like minor politics backstage in the locker room. And most people would have never even seen it. You know, they would have never even said anything. They just would have went on about the show and that that's that. But deep down, I'm like, you know, I think that there's just going to be politics anywhere you go. But with AEW, they're figuring it out. I think Tony Khan, uh, it, it's hard to say. Once again, I want a job there, so I don't want to say too, too much. <laughs> no, no, but, of course. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but at times, I think that Tony forgets that he is the, um, you know, and it's hard because I've been in the same position as a promoter. But um but I think Tony forgets that he's got to be the boss. And I think he more so wants to be a lot of the guy's friends. And um, that's that's admirable in a way, but it's also... Um, it's problems. Yeah, it, it, can be, yeah. it can be the nature of the beast. So you're over here yeah. trying to cater to one talent yeah. and you're being very friendly with them. And then this other talent over here is getting mad and saying, well, he's catering to his wants and needs. Now I'm going to make him cater to my wants and needs. And then you're back and forth and back and forth. And it's just the nature of the beast as a promoter because you want to be friendly with the people that are working for you. But then at the same time, you really do have to let them know your boss. Good cop, bad cop. That, that's one of the things, isn't that? That definitely. Lox Piero, maybe hashtag CM Punk, hashtag Kenny Omega, hashtag Young Bucks, work with a new storyline. Now, I thought it was a work initially when the bus tip had occurred. I, but the longer it went on, I was like, holy, holy crap, this has actually happened. But at first, when it all came out, the way we conditioned as fans, you believe that it's a work, but obviously something did happen. Yeah, what do you think to what Lox is saying? Yeah, I, I don't. Well, the, the thing is, is I think deep down too. like I, I, I take your uh, point and say that everybody would think like, wow, is this a part of the storyline? Um, I also feel deep down like a lot of people would be fooled if it wasn't a part of the storyline and they just decided they were going to turn it into a storyline. So um, that's the thing. You can always take a shoot and turn it into a work and you can always take a work and turn it into a shoot. It's, it's a very dangerous business because you blur the lines of reality and you never know what is real and what isn't. 
And um, for something that was very real, apparently, at least what they're telling us on the outside is that um, it was very real. But at any point in time, they could turn that into a storyline and it would make a lot of generate a lot of money because people would know the reality of it behind. Whereas with the opposite end, if it was something that was, you know, totally storyline, sometimes storylines make people angry in real life. And then they they end up having real life animosity and anger towards each other because of a storyline. So it can go either way. Um, I think deep down that um, AEW, you know, they know what to do. They're not dumb. They're, they're obviously a multi-million dollar business themselves, so they can figure it out. Lewis Young, obviously quite current before he's asking, what did you think of the Young Bucks getting attacked on last week's AEW? Um, I, I watched it. I mean, I never miss an episode of Dynamite, but um, I was confused. That's uh, That's the easiest way to put it. I was kind of sitting there like, uh, it's a heck of a way to start the show off. And I thought that at the end, when Paige came back in the ambulance, I thought that the Bucks were actually going to be back with him, and they weren't. So I was like, the whole thing had had me very confused. And I was like, I understand a little bit of where they're going with it. But at the same time, it's if you have to read that much into it, the average wrestling fan isn't going to take time to understand it. That's cool. No, well, well put, Brian. Well put. What else we got here? Let's have it. Just got a few comments, man. Just fire it. No, that's the, that's the wrong one. Da, 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 da. Except that. Back to WWE. Maybe hashtag Cody Rhodes becoming new Paul Heyman guy. I would love that. I think it would be fantastic. I think that Paul Heyman is one of the greatest minds in the business. Like I tell people all the time, I have a Paul Heyman story here in my book. Um, I'm not going to give that away. but if No, you, no, I, I won't press you for that. <laughs> you yeah, want you people, might, people to buy the book? Yeah, I'm asking by the book, you'll be able to um, read a cool Paul Heyman story. And um, yeah. I have nothing but love and respect for Paul Heyman. I think he's really cool. I know a, a lot of people have their stories and they've had a lot more interactions with him than I've had, but he was very kind to me. So um, Cody Rhodes, I think is, I've always said for the last number of years, ever since he beat Nick Aldis at the pay-per-view for the NWA title years ago, I said, Cody's on his way. Cody is now on his way. I've got a couple Cody Rhodes stories in my book as well. But um, Cody is definitely on his way, and I I think what a swerve it would be. You know, I I, I hate to talk like this, but I got to be honest. I got to be a fan for a second and not a boy in the business. Um, I would be shocked if Roman beat Cody at WrestleMania. I think it would be a full-scale riot if Roman was able to retain the title against Cody Rhodes. I think it would set you know, a hundred thousand or 70,000 people, whatever it is uh, crazy. Like I think people would want a full scale riot. Um, That is how much star power Cody has at the moment that every single person in the world wants him to win this title. They all want him to beat Roman and they want the story to come full circle. So. That's cool, man. No, thanks. Thanks, Brian. I like asking the the latest stuff. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool, man. I don't watch, I don't watch as much WWE. I, I, I literally, It'll be the 40, 45 minute highlights on BT Sport for me, you know. It just it's AEW, but more so dynamite. I'll miss I'll miss Rampage, but it is it's been AEW, man. It, it really has. And uh, we want a show over here as well. They keep flirting with the idea. Where, where, where's this London show, man? I'm like, come on, come on, Tony, come on, yep. Shab. You know, you've got Fulham there. That's your team. It, the ground's ready. You know, we need we need a show over here now. They've been going into Canada, as someone said. So it's only a matter of time before we get a show, I think. I, th- I think it'll happen eventually. And um, and when it does, I think it'll be great for you guys. Um, I think deep down that AEW wants to give people a lot more. Uh, this is terrible of me to say once again, because I'm a huge AEW supporter, but much like you, man, I don't watch Rampage. I don't watch Dark. I don't. So if I was watching those things, the only reason I would ever watch them is because like a friend of mine is on there or I would be on there. Otherwise, besides that, I'm sticking to Dynamite. Um, for WWE, I'm watching Raw. <clears throat> excuse me. And um, my son, it's I always I'm a good judge of character when it comes to pro wrestling and my kid because my kid is obsessed with pro wrestling, like eat, breathe, sleep, dreams, everything pro wrestling. But when he only wants to watch the 45-minute review clips and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and doesn't want to watch the actual show, I'm like, there is a problem. And he's the same way that I am where he's going, Dad, I know you're not a huge Roman Reigns fan, but you got to watch the storyline with him and Cody. It's like so awesome, you know, and then I'm watching it. I'm like, wow, because I for years have been like, get Roman Reigns off my screen 
And then now all of a sudden I'm like, he can stay like, bring him back. This is good stuff. Like this is really, really captivating. So, yeah. Do you think this is from Michael Ray? Do you think Hunter would push FTR in WWE? Now he's doing creative, man. I'll tell you about the business real fast. The craziest thing is there is a position that most people have talked themselves into, which it has been AEW was the savior of the masses and WWE is nothing anymore. And I don't know. I, I sort of categorize FTR in that category when they left. I don't, I don't necessarily know that they talked a, a bunch of crap on like a specific individual, which could or couldn't have been Hunter. I don't really know. But I know that they weren't happy. They were very disgruntled when they left WWE, much like a lot of other people. So at the end of the day, business is business and people will bring back. I mean, look at how many times Vince McMahon has brought back people that have talked crap on his company and him himself. And he's put them in Hall of Fames and he's just done good business no matter what the case is. But um, deep down, though, FTR, I, I think FTR can go anywhere that they want in the world and have an amazing career. I mean, they're the, and those guys, they still have so much gas in the tank that they're going to be, you know, doing this stuff for years and years and years to come. I think they're great. They're one of my favorites. They're a great throwback to old school wrestling, but I don't know if they would end back up in WWE. Like I just, I don't deep down. It would be one of those like hell froze over moments for me. If FTR, you know, came back to WWE, I think they're definitely AEW guys. And if they're not AEW guys, I think they're going to be ring of honor guys. Places they've gone, they've gone other places. They've, they, you know, you're not, you're not as stipulated, are you? You can go to work for the other promotions. Look at him; they were belt collecting man, and yeah. then triple A the and all that stuff. Yeah. Then, the, then the storyline. They lost everything. You know, it was so from it, it was just so well done, and then they've come away. The back, the back in the mix. So it's just yeah, yeah it's, I, it's it's great. The story is amazing. fantastic. The story yep. arc. You know, I, I love that. I love that stuff. So yeah, Brian, back to you. We've got to talk about the music. We've got to talk about worth a shot. You know, that's we've got to talk about the music. So yeah, worth a shot, man. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of crazy. For years, people have been asking me. You know, I've been putting out punk rock albums for years. I mean, I'm looking right in front of my wall right now. I've got all my records hanging up on my wall. You can't see it. It's on the other side of the screen. But I've put out one, two, three, four, five, six um, punk rock slash surf rock style albums. Uh, since 2015 and I've been pretty much releasing an album a year. Um, I wanted to do something because most of my albums are 11 songs, 12 songs. I wanted to put out a four song EP, which I ended up doing, but I wanted to do something that I had never done before that I've always talked about doing. And I finally released a country uh, style CD. So uh, country is very popular everywhere right now. And um, you know, I've always been a, fan of older country music. Um, but this was a situation where I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm in this phase of my life where every weekend I feel like I don't miss a single episode of the grand old Opry. I watch it on circle all access on YouTube. And I literally watch the grand old Opry, um, from Nashville. And I, it's just so cool to me. And I watch a lot of the country artists come through there. So a lot of my sound on this is very, people say people that have listened to it have said, it's not really country. It's just more so the way you sing it, but the music is still kind of like what you've always been putting out and stuff. And I'm like, it has been, um, my friend Jared from the band bowling for soup, uh, just released his country CD as well. So I was like, the timing was kind of right on for the both of us because we're both like punk rock guys that love pro wrestling and everything like that. But we both decided this year to release country CDs and, I hope Jared's CD does amazing, and I hope my CD does amazing. I mean, he's Chuck E. Cheese. Come on, man. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool. You go, you know, you've gone into the other genres. That's cool. You, know, you haven't just pigeonholed yourself, have you, with your music? That no, no, cool, man. Nice, nice. I will give that a listen. Absolutely. Yes, I will, sir. Yep, yes, it's I available. Will. It's available on Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, all that kind of stuff. So you can find it anywhere. Brian Hardy worth a shot. I think we'll just go back to Brian's Wrestling Collection 2 just to give that the, the onus, the plug again before we go. Obviously, coming up, coming up in July, I'm just going to put the graphic up, Brian. 
just so people can see the whole. It's the Hall of Fame graphic, but obviously it's got the dates yep. and stuff on it for cool. people. So yeah. So you, you got your uh, standing room only tickets at ten dollars. You got your seated admissions at twenty five, and you have your VIP packages at fifty. Last year the VIP packages were an absolute hit. They come with a, a awesome like WWE style commemorative take home chair that says Brian's Wrestling Collection too. It'll have the MWF Hall of Fame logo on there as well and stuff, and it. It comes with a bunch of cool little bells and whistles, tons of you know different little merchandise that you get when you buy that VIP package. Um, it's going to be 12 noon to 4 p.m. at 7549 Solly Road, Glen Burnie, Maryland, 21060. That is known to many as the MWF Arena, the Orchard Beach Banquet Hall, which I wrestled in for so very many years. And like I said, my story has come full circle because I started wrestling in that building in 2011, and I wrestled a who's who list of people from Jerry Lawler to Sanjay Dutt to Eric Young to Robbie E, and the list goes on and on and on. And now this year, I am the final inductee into the MWF 2023 Hall of Fame class. And I'm actually being inducted by my son, Owen, who is 14 years old and on his way to his professional wrestling career. Go on. Go on. I love it. I love, obviously, the relationship you have with all your kids, man. Just amazing. Uh, my, my son's only eight and a half months, isn't he? So, no, testament to you and your wife. Thank with you. The kids. Honestly, honestly, man, it, it's amazing to see what you do with all them kids, man. You don't hear you, you don't hear often in this business anymore. I mean, it's it's becoming more of a thing now than it's ever been. But you, back when I was a kid and my dad was in the business and stuff, you didn't hear about uh, wrestlers being able to maintain a family life at the same time. So it was like you gave up one for the other. Um, I have been able to juggle all of them. And, you know, there's a lot of, like I said, critics that'll say, Oh man, like he he jumps from thing to thing. He'll jump to wrestling, then he'll jump to music, then he'll be, you know, dealing with stuff with his family and things like that. And it's like I was able to juggle all three of those things and literally be the best dad I possibly could to my kids. I try to be the best husband that I can to my wife. You know, she would tell you that I am. I'm pretty honest and say, yeah, I've had my moments. Um, and then much like anybody, and as a, as a musician and a wrestler. It's so cool that I've got to live out all my dreams, but the number one best thing that I've ever been called is not Hall of Famer. It's not guy that has his songs on the radio or anything like that. The coolest thing I've ever been called is dad. Go on. Go on, Brian. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Michael Ray, the VIP, the VIP tickets are worth it. The chairs with autograph seem worth more than the price. There you go, Brian. Yeah, it's 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 definitely worth the VIP package for sure. And there's only 10 of those packages available. We did a pre-sale code for those last weekend. People have already started ordering them. We do have a couple left. I would say get your hands on them now. We're going to have tons of seated admission tickets. We're going to have tons of standing room only. But it's a good day to get out, check out some wrestling memorabilia, hear some old wrestling veteran stories. A lot of people that a detractor for most people is, well, there's not going to be any live pro wrestling matches, you know, at this show or whatever. You're correct. There's not. No live pro wrestling matches. But the stories that some of these guys tell and, and stuff are worth the price of admission alone because it's just wrestling history. We're just documenting Maryland wrestling history. And like I said, the list of people that we've put in over the years from Terry Funk to, you know, Joey Mags to Hack Myers to all these di- Axel Rotten, all these different people over the years that are in this Hall of Fame is just a who's who list of people that have made Maryland wrestling what it is over the years. Absolutely. Uh, Lox Piero, just going back to what we were saying before, talking current stuff with WrestleMania this weekend, into Raw. I think there would be Raw after Mania 2023, returning wrestlers or newcomers. Um, uh, so I'm going to throw this out there. I could possibly be wrong. I'm just going to take a guess. Um, your guess is as good as mine. Maybe we'll see Jay White. Uh, maybe we'll see Jay White debut the night after WrestleMania on Monday Night Raw. Maybe we won't. Who knows? But it's nice to dream. It's nice to think about, you know, what the possibilities could be. And it's like Christmas. You know, you're like waiting. WrestleMania weekend is such a big weekend for everybody. Uh, the independents do well. They piggyback off of WWE and stuff like that. And everybody just has a good time. My television is going to be nonstop wrestling for the next couple of days. Um, and I even dressed up for you today, Stu. I have nowhere I'm to sorry. go. Sorry, uh, mate. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. You have. You have, and I. I did notice, but I didn't make light of it. No, you have. You've got suit. You've got all, suit, suited and booted, as we say in the UK. Yep, I'm, I'm all dressed up with nowhere to go, man. I came to Stu's wrestling podcast dressed up, and the second that I leave this interview, I'm gonna take the tie off. And I'm just gonna relax for the day. So I've got nowhere to go. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Jay White, um, do you know what? Years ago, I'll hold my hands up. I was watching him. I thought, I don't know, I don't know about this guy, but he's he's made he's made a believer out of me. He really has. I wasn't I wasn't getting it years ago watching him. Sometimes you don't rule sure. diff, different styles, aren't we? But he no, he he's been fantastic. I've got to be fair. He's changed my opinion totally, yep. especially That's- especially the last four or five years. I felt that way about Kenny Omega when he first came in. I mean, I watched Kenny Omega when he was just a tiny curly headed guy with a pair of trunks on in ring of honor in the early, you know, 2009, 2010 era. And I thought, ah, don't want to waste my time on this guy. Like whatever enhancement at best type thing, you know, wrestling is so unpredictable. Now I'm a huge Kenny Omega fan. I mean, ever since, you know, 2016, Kenny's been on fire, and I'm just like, between him and the Bucks, man, I don't care what anybody says about them. I will always go to bat for them because I feel like they were the ones that set the wrestling boom, the wrestling world ablaze again. Why do people feel the need to say it's just flip-flopping around the ring? You're, you know, you're a wrestler. You understand it better than anyone. It's so, it's, it's, it's degrading of, of how good they are. They're, they're yeah. so much, there's so <laughs> much more than that. I can't be asked with this. Oh, it's trampoline-esque. You know, uh, I'm not having it. I'm not having it, Brian. I'm sure you won't because you've wrestled. You know the score. I think think it's just people in today's generation. It's just easier to put people down and say negative things about them than it is to uplift them and say positive things. I don't know. Like I said, when when you're, you know, walking into Hot Topic and there's no such thing as pro wrestling shirts in there. And then all of a sudden you see like a couple WWE shirts but the only reason the couple WWE shirts are in there is because there is a hot upcoming tag team that's setting the world on fire called the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and the Bullet Club and this and that. That's something that is burned into my brain that will make me forever remember the summer of 2016, 2017. And now here we are in 2023 and you walk into a hot topic and there's no wrestling shirts at all again. There's no WWE. There's no AEW. There's no any independent wrestlers, but I mean, at the time that was so such a visionary thing to do to have an independent tag team that was just on fire, putting their t-shirts in a hot topic. It would make amazing. Absolutely. Matt. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, we'd all love their bank balance. So that people can hate, people can hate as much as they want, man. It, it's, yep. We'd all, we'd all take their bank balance tomorrow. Brian Hardy. How about Kota Ibushi? He's a free agent now. I think on, what we saying on Mr. Ibushi, man. We could see him pop up anywhere too and talk about another great talent. Just somebody that I believe the general public overlooks time and time again, but he could be a star anywhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Brian, just just uh, to plug the book again before you go, sir. That's, absolutely. That's definite. We've got to do that. We've got to do that for you. I'll put the yeah, graphic man. up as well in a minute. So, they are the Brian Hardy story. And there you go, guys. Available yep. on Amazon. Sorry, Brian, I'm jumping in. Uh, you're good, man. Wrestling with life, rocking all night. The Brian Hardy story, a tale from the stage to the ring and behind the curtain. You definitely want to get your hands on this. $30 on Amazon. 15 chapters, 130 pages, I believe. And um, like I said, you, you get a telltale story. You get life behind the scenes at WWE. You get life on the independence. You get some of my biggest matches that I've ever had in here. You get me touring through Mexico. You get me touring through Los Angeles and playing concerts all over the United States. And you get the the dad and the husband and the disgruntled child that didn't have a very good childhood and all that kind of stuff. You get it all in here. So this is a tell-all book. Available on Amazon, available through me if you want to DM, and it will be available at Brian's Wrestling Collection Live, too. Stu, I thank you for taking the time today to have me on no here. No problem, no problem, man. So amazing to catch up with you again. I've wanted to have you on for ages, man, but it's perfect because you've got that much going on. It's been perfect. This has been perfect. The 150th episode of the show, and thank you so much, man, for sparing the time because I know it's 100 mile an hour for you, life. So It, yeah, it so is, man, but please. anytime you call me, I'm here, dude. So Thank you so much. We've had another chat here. <laughs> the comments <laughs> keep coming. Guys, <laughs> I've got to go back to work at 5 o'clock UK time, but yeah, we're all right. Michael Ray, great sample size on your YouTube channel. Sample size? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a... I'm Maybe as I was say, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's you. I don't know if he's talking I, about like my book. I don't know because I I do read chapters of my book on my YouTube channel too. Me, me. I think it is through you, Brian, rather than me. Like, uh, uh, please just give us a little bit more there, Michael. <laughs> but yeah, man, I tell you what. Just before we go, because I think he's going to comment again. Um, 
another WrestleMania match that you're looking forward to, man. If you had to pick one, I know there's several on that card over the two nights, but yeah, just one more match, Brian. I'm just thinking um, this is going to be unbelievable and potentially, you know, fantastic. So I would say the Edge Hell in the Cell match is going to be absolutely off the charts. But if I can be honest about it, it's I'm not saying that the match isn't going to be good because it is. But I'm saying that I'm so excited because from what I'm hearing, uh, there's a smattering of uh, talking about Gangrel coming back. And if Gangrel is coming back to even do an entrance or do any of that kind of stuff with Edge, originally there was talks that Christian may be coming back for one night only. I don't know if that's real or not, but if Gangrel returns to WWE, you will see me jumping up and down in my living room, freaking out. I think he's just a great guy. I've always had a good relationship with him and, um, I think he deserves a good payoff. So if Edge was able to finally get Gangrel included after 15 years of not being on television, I think it'll be great. Amazing for us, like going back, isn't it? Just, yeah, I hope they do. And stranger things have happened. Look at the collabs they've done, you know, Jericho being on the Broken Skull sessions of Austin. Yes. Think things can happen, man. It's not, they're not as heavy, are they? Especially Tony Khan. Tony Khan's very good. Michael Ray, the book. Ah, the book. First few chapters, hockey. So it's yeah. the book. So, so on my saying. on my Brian's Wrestling Collection uh, YouTube channel over there, I do read the first couple of chapters of my book um, for the public to check out. So that way they can kind of get a little insight on a few of the first chapters. It makes them hooks them in, makes them want to buy the rest of the book. So hashtag Brian Hardy looked like a Sam Smith. I don't know who Sam Smith is. You, you, UK musician. I'm not seeing it, Locks, but you obviously are. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not seeing it. He was crying in his mansion when COVID was happening. You know when everyone was locked down. So he's, oh, in, this multi, he's in this multi-million pound mansion. Uh, and Brian, <laughs> Brian, you are so far removed from that guy because he's an attorney. Uh. <laughs> locks, Locks. I don't think he looks like Sam Smith. <laughs> give, him a, give him a give him a punk rock guy. You know, give him somebody, please, somebody else, not Sam Smith, man. The guy's a tool, but hey ho, that starts for another day. Brian, thank you so much, man, for coming on the 150th episode. Mr. Brian Hardy, the second generation sensation. Obviously, your book is out the Brian Hardy story. We've got Brian's wrestling collection live coming up in July in Baltimore, in Maryland as well. It's just a shame I'm in the UK, man. It's just a shame. We're gonna we're gonna get you here one day. We're gonna hang out. We're gonna have some drinks together. It'll be a good time. Uh, do you want me to send you out the best way I know how? Go on, man. Do the all right. Close us out. Close us out. Poignant. This is the second generation sensation, Brian Hardy, and you are watching the only show that matters: Stew's Wrestling Podcast. Thank you very much, Brian. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And we'll see you very, very soon, guys, for episode 151 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. Take care. Thank you so much, Brian. Thank you, brother. Sports Social Podcast Network.